You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, it officially happened. Amari Rogers is no longer with the team. Um, it, it made one thing abundantly clear. Um, I think to some degree, and I'm not saying it was a good thing, I'm just saying I understand it. Um, I understand why Amari Rodgers was being used so much on special teams. It's because they really, 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 really wanted to give him a chance to uh, be able to play for the Packers. Thank you, Mr. Alarm Clock. Um, They really wanted to give him a chance. What that means is, they had already given up on him as a wide receiver. I don't know exactly when that happened. But it's not simply a matter of, well, it's because Randall's ahead of him. Randall's been on IR, right? Plus, with as thin as we are, I mean, you, you could utilize him in different ways. We never really saw him in these special, unique packages, you know, with the... I don't know, you could use him as a running back. You could use him on the jet sweeps. I mean, I, I you know, you've heard my opinion. I didn't think he was terrible. I, I struggle to know exactly what the problem was in terms of he's so bad he doesn't even, he's just wasting a roster spot. I mean, that's that's bad. Um, yeah, I don't know if it was a lack of understanding, maybe, but, you know, and I know guys say nice things when they're out the door, but maybe he wasn't preparing right, maybe not a good locker room guy or something, but I don't think so. I, you know, the, 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 the players all said he went about it the right way. He tried real hard. And on top of that, again, if he's a bad locker room guy, you don't try to force a way for him to stay on the team. You find an excuse to get him off the team. So I just think he was a really bad wide receiver. According to, you know, Matt LaFleur, uh, maybe Brian Gutekunst, I don't know. Um, but I, I, I really think, essentially, Gutekunst was ready to, to part ways and, and Matt did everything he could to find something, you know? Um, and the only thing left was kick and punt return. And um, 
Obviously, he kept botching the kick returns, and they're like, all right, well, we can't do that, but let's let's keep him on putt, which is, is kind of silly, to be honest. You know, I mean, they are different skill sets, but catching it isn't. <laughs> catching it is the same thing, as, as far as I know, at least extremely similar on kick return and punt return. And if that's the skill you're struggling with, I don't think it's going to work. And it was a disaster waiting to happen. Um and again, I mean, we, we could chalk it up to being a little too soft, but but I, I, I at least get it. I understand it from the standpoint of, you know, it's a last-ditch effort to not have to fire the guy. But I think for so many reasons, it's really stupid. And, and as the players, you know, they're talking about, well, it's a, it's a production business, it's a business. This wasn't a business thing, man. Come on. Cutting him ultimately was a business thing. Keeping him on for the last year, that wasn't a business thing. That was a business doing right by a young guy that they wanted to succeed. And I honestly think it's a little unfair to sit here and talk about it's a business, it's a business, it's a business. If it was a business, I think he'd have been gone a long time ago. I really do. And maybe maybe during this process, they were trying to kind of give him a shot at wide receiver, but what did he have, like four snaps a game? I mean, they never really gave him an honest shot at wide receiver. They gave up on him as a wide receiver a long time ago. And they were, four, I mean, we, we borderline lost games or at least potentially lost games. We almost lost to Dallas because of it. Because they didn't have the heart to just let the kid go. I don't think it's fair to sit here and talk about it's a, it's a, it's a dirty business, all they care about is production. No, apparently it's not. Right? I mean, ultimately at, at the end of 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 the day, but it's not just a cold and calculating business. And to be honest... I think the fans are much more cold than the team was in this situation. They wanted him gone a long time ago, as did I. I mean, I don't want—I didn't want him off the team, but if you're telling me we will not use him as a wide receiver, he is a special teamer, he won't be on this team, then I would have absolutely said, okay, then he's got to go. So, I, you know, I, I, on one hand, I give him credit. You know, Mike McCarthy was the same way. He loved his guys. He loved his coaches. He would have done the exact same thing. But... I mean, speaking for me, as somebody that didn't know him as a human being, and, and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm, I, I get it, right? I understand these are people and everything, but there's only 53 people allowed on a team. It's a zero-sum game. If somebody comes on the team, somebody's got to go off, and if somebody goes off, somebody else has got to come on. There is no ultimate evil when it comes to replacing somebody because it's, it's you know, as bad as it is for somebody to leave, it's good for somebody else to get a shot. So I'm I'm not happy that it happened to him, but but you know in a in a cold and calculating sense, this needed to happen a long time ago, and it is wrong of the Packers, of Matt Lafleur, of the team, to not acknowledge that. Again, I I want if anything, I still want him on the team as a wide receiver. But if you're telling me you gave up on him, then you were wrong not to cut him a long time ago. You're telling me he was only on this team. Because you refused to let him go so that he could sit there and continue to fumble and muff punts? You know, th- this, is, this is some of that coaching malpractice stuff that's really starting to get fans fed up, myself included. I mean, it really is getting a little tiring. Again, I, I, I am a fan of Matt LaFleur, and I know he's a good person. I know he is. And I know he's a hard worker, and I know he's extremely smart and all that stuff. But we're not, not everything I listed necessarily makes you a great head coach. It makes you, it, all of it makes him a great person, really hardworking, really dedicated, 
And I, I want a, a good person to be a good head coach. But at some point, when, when you being a good person starts to be a detriment to the team, and I think we're maybe seeing glimmers of that, it's, it's, it's not something that I want to happen. Again, I, you know, I draw the line at I don't want to fire him because I don't want him to lose his job because I like him. So let's just let him stay out there and fumble punts. That's crazy. And, you know, again, it, it, it's, it seems pretty obvious to me that that's exactly what it was because as soon as the head coach came out and said, we've officially decided we are not going to use him as a special teamer anymore, he lost his job. It's not like they gave it up to somebody that's you know, really been tearing it up. It's not like we're super loaded with wide receivers. Plus, he's, he's a young third-round pick. If there was any hope of him being a wide receiver, you, you never let him go, ever. They came to the conclusion that they have seen everything that they needed to see. So anyways, uh, sucks for Amari. Obviously, it was, it was low probability that it was ever going to be great, but not everybody that stays is great. You know, Tunyon's not great. He's been here forever. Lazard isn't great. Tunyon's not great. MVS wasn't great. Heck, Equinemius wasn't great. I think he made it longer, possibly. Actually, obviously he did, because they left the same year, just a few months apart. It's a lot of not great players that stick around, because they fill a role. But uh, speaking on the release, Matt LaFleur said, Amari, that one hurt a lot. I know how much it meant to him, and he did everything we asked him to do. He was a great teammate, and he works his tail off. You could really see him growing just in terms of overall knowledge. But we are in a production-based business, and, you know, it's unfortunate. It truly is. I feel for him. He's a guy that I've got a lot of respect for and care for deeply. I'm confident he's going to get another shot. Sometimes the best thing for guys in the league is you go through a little adversity, you get a fresh start somewhere else, and I wish him nothing but the best. In addition to that, Kylan Hill was also released. Another one that I don't necessarily fully understand. I'm not sure if the plan is to bring him back or how that all is going to work, but, you know, it's it's odd because we're very thin at wide receiver and running back, and we let go a wide receiver and running back. But I do know Randall's coming back. I'm not exactly sure what the, the plan is at running back, other than if somebody goes down, somebody else is going to be running the rest of the day. Um, and maybe the plan is, heck, we're not going to be running very much against the Titans anyways, so who cares? I don't know. Uh, another move that was made, though, Dede Westbrook was picked up by the Green Bay Packers. Um, most people assume that Westbrook is just a special teamer. However, Dede Westbrook is a wide receiver slash kick returner slash punt returner. So... Amari Rogers. Uh, Dede Westbrook is the new Amari Rogers. Now, Dede's been around a while. I, I remember Dede Westbrook. It's a very, very familiar name. Usually when we pick up guys, it's like, I've, I've never heard of that guy in my life. Dede's, he's been around for sure. Westbrook was a uh, fourth round pick back in 2017. Been off the map the last couple of years for sure, but his first three years with the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, 424 yards, one touchdown, 62 overall grade. By the way, six foot one seventy eight. He's a smaller dude, so we're getting outside of the realm of comfort for the Packers. So you can tell they're they're kind of reaching. But these are the guys that Packer fans usually like because they're small and they're real shifty. But Packers are like, I don't know, man, he's gonna break like glass. But I think at this point, the Packers are like, who cares, <laughs> right? I mean, he's he's maybe like a backup kick returner and a seventh wide receiver. Not I don't even think we have six wide receivers right now, but you know what I mean. We'll give him a shot. But uh, year two, 66 receptions, 717 yards, five touchdowns, 71.3 overall grade. That's when he peaked. And that's when, you know, things are looking up, man. He had, a, you know, year two, kind of a breakout year, 
kind of almost touching a thousand yards and five touchdowns is pretty solid. And then it went back down. He had the same amount of receptions, 66 uh, yards, but uh, 66 receptions, 660 yards, three touchdowns, 63 overall grade. And then in 2020, one target, one reception, four yards. Did come back uh, the next year, played for Minnesota, 16 targets, 10 receptions, 68 yards, and zero touchdowns. Uh, You might look at that and say, yeah, well, he didn't, he obviously had an injury or something. No, he played every single game for Minnesota. Um, He was a... Uh, slot guy, primarily, again, Amari. But um, when you look at his usage as a wide receiver, it was very, very sparing. And I think it'll be the same for the Packers. I, I think he'll make appearances, maybe. Ran- I mean, this is assuming he even stays on the team for more than a, a couple weeks. But he's a guy who'll make an appearance once every two to three weeks, right? So for Minnesota, week one, he had one target, one reception, 11 yards, then nothing, then nothing, then 2-1, 4-3, 3-2, 1 0 0 0. Then he had two targets, one reception, zero. Two targets, one reception, zero. Zero. One target, one reception, zero. And as far as his grades, I mean, it's, it's 50s and 60s every single week. Um, it was all 50s be- from week nine on. So he, he just he wasn't doing anything, really. But they also do a lot of the behind the line of scrimmage stuff, the jet sweeps and all that. Again, similar to what we thought Amari would be doing. And maybe we'll see a little bit of that with Didi. I don't know. But he's got 4'39 speed, so um, kind of reminds me of that scene in The Office where they kick Gabe off of the hiring committee and put Kelly on, and Jim's like, why? She says, I'm doing an opposite thing. Gabe's tall and weak, Kelly's short and small. It's kind of how it feels with Amari and Didi, right? Amari is a big, muscled up, you know, stronger wide receiver, and now they're going with a six foot, 178-pound, 4'39 speed guy. They do the same thing, but they're opposites. Tall and yoked. Well, not tall, but big and yoked and small and fast. But anyway, sucks for Amari. Sucks for another third-round uh, pick down the drain. But I tell you what, I'm not giving up on Josiah. I, I have... It's, it's killing me because I'm looking at it like there's no way. There's no way it's going to work with Josiah. Look how bad this is. Just, if you want to know how bad this uh, situation is... With um, 2020 or with, with uh, third round picks, just look at the 2022 draft. What do we got? We got Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt, Christian Watson, Sean Ryan, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, Kingsley and Igbare, Tariq Carpenter, Jonathan Ford, Rashid Walker, and Samore Ture was our last pick. There's one guy that sticks out like a sore thumb here, and it's Sean Ryan. He's one of the first guys we picked. Quay is a full-time starter. Devontae Wyatt is a part-time backup, but he's playing. Um, Christian Watson is a starter. Uh, Sean Ryan is not even a backup. He's not even coming in when guys get hurt. He was He's fighting for third string reps, and we don't even have a fourth string. <laughs> Romeo Dobbs, starter. Zach Tom. He's next in line. Anybody gets hurt, it's Zach Tom. Tackle gets hurt, it's Zach Tom. Guard gets hurt, Zach Tom. Sean Ryan, you're the guard. Nope, Zach Tom, you're the guy. Kingsley is a full-time starter. Kingsley and Igbare, fifth round, full-time starter. Tariq Carpenter, he's not looking super great, but he is a sixth-round pick that is playing on special teams right now. Jonathan Ford, um, not really getting opportunities, but he made it, didn't he? 
I mean, to be honest, Jonathan Ford and um, Sean Ryan are similar in that they made the 53, but they're not really getting it, or not really, they're not at all getting any playing time. With, I think, the biggest difference being the uh, Jonathan Ford is one injury away from, from having some significant playing time. Sean Ryan is, what, at least two injuries away. Uh, I'll be honest, I don't know that Rasheed Walker isn't closer to starting than Sean Ryan is. I know they're, they're playing different positions, so it's hard to gauge. But I'm, I would just be curious if, if there was a scale of how close is this person or, or your confidence level that this person can be an adequate starter, would it be Rasheed Walker or Sean Ryan? Because remember, Rasheed Walker got where he is because he actually looked impressive. Sean Ryan looked like, kind of, well, looked like crap. <laughs> he looked terrible. As of right now, if anybody goes down, I think Zach Tom comes in. He's our backup tackle, backup guard, backup center. Which brings us to our next pick, Rashid Walker, who again, we've looked at seventh round picks, Jonathan Ford and Rashid Walker, and I think Sean Ryan is on equal footing with them. Samori Ture is a starter right now. I know that's a lot to do with injuries, but it's not like he's a starter by necessity and you can tell because he sucks. Not really. He was ahead of Amari, which I know doesn't say much, but I mean, he's, 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 he's looking... I mean, last week, Sammy Watkins was better. The week before, Samori Turia was better. So, I mean, he's, he's in the conversation with being kind of in the mix with the guys. Just a half a step behind Lazard, maybe. You know, you've got Christian, Dobbs, Lazard, maybe on Tier 1. And then a very close Tier 2 to all those guys. I know Christian had a huge day. We'll see how the consistency holds up. Obviously, I think he can be the clear, clear number one, if we can see some consistency there. But the the problem is teams are going to start taking that away, but we don't need to go down that path. Point is, Sean Ryan sticks out like a sore thumb here. Now, it's early, he's a rookie and all that stuff, but but this is staggering to me, the fact that um, that he hasn't really had any promising anything. And granted, I think maybe there's a potential that he's seen as a, a high upside guy that... Um, is going to take some time, which is maybe the path that they wanted to go with the third round. Maybe that's the path they go with the third round too consistently that they need to stop doing. I don't know. Because I think Sean Ryan is seen as largely a road-grading guard, which is cool, but he's got a lot of work to do in, in terms of pass pro. And that showed up definitely in the preseason. The problem is he really wasn't that good in, as, as a run blocker. He was against San Francisco in his 12 attempts, and then it went downhill he had a 63 run blocking grade against New Orleans and then a 41 run blocking grade against Kansas City. That was that was the last game he played. Uh, he had a 41 run blocking grade, but um, but that was the one game his pass blocking went up. But it, it doesn't matter. The bottom line is clearly the Packers have seen a good enough chunk of him that they just don't want him on the field. He's had opportunities. They easily could have slid him out there, right? You don't have to put Sean Ryan, uh, Zach Tom at guard. Zach Tom is clearly a better tackle than he is a guard. He's, he's holding up just fine. And, and you could easily say, well, it's because he's so good. Well, all right, fair enough, I guess. But man, third round is uh, something else. And obviously, if you go back in time, it, it doesn't get any better. Um, again, I'm holding out hope on DeGuara, but you, you legitimately have to go back to like Morgan Burnett, which is staggering. You say, well, how far do you have to go back for every other position? Well, most are, are around... Most of them you can eliminate seemingly this year. Uh, I think we at least got a starting linebacker in round one. If not, I mean, I don't know. Who do we pick last year? Stokes? All right, maybe not. Jordan Love? Probably not. Rashawn? There you go, 2019. How about second round? 
Uh, probably Christian. But if you don't want to, uh, maybe not Josh Myers, A.J. Dillon. All right, done. Third round, forever ago. How about fourth round? Well, Romeo Dobbs and Zach Tom. I'm sorry, I don't have to go back further than that. I just don't. You, you cannot tell me one of those guys is not going to pan out. Fifth round, we got Kingsley. Last year, we got TJ Slayton. I mean, we're not talking about elite of the elite, but for a fifth round pick, but at the very least, Aaron Jones in 2017. Well, I'm sorry, I said Tariq was a sixth round pick. He's a seven, he's, we had four seventh round picks, I forgot about that. Sixth round pick. That's a tough one, but we got Isaiah McDuffie playing right now. If you don't want that, 2020, John Runyon. How about seventh-round picks? I mean, we, we have Samore right now. If that doesn't work, you can get, I mean, I would, I would call it Sam Barrington in 2013 was a decent enough starter. Not, again, not elite, but we're just talking about guys that can play football. I mean, Jeff Janis played decent. And maybe you could put some of the third-round guys on those same tiers, but it's a seventh round, I guess. I don't know. The, the point is, I don't think there's any doubt, especially if you uh, look at it based on the value of the pick. There's no doubt the third round is an absolute curse. And, and again, I've heard people say, well, at some point, Gutekunst needs to be held accountable. He, you know, when are we going to fire this guy? Like, okay, first of all, the third round has been a disaster. That doesn't mean he's been a disaster as a drafter or clearly as a free, free agent acquisitioner. I said it how I said it. But anyways, third round pick down the drain as usual. I don't I don't know what to do about that. I, and again, it's it is so statistically improbable that I have to think that there is something about the way that the Packers handle drafting that is not conducive for the third round. In other words, the third round is generally where something happens. Presumably there there is there's a talent drop off and the way that the Packers handle that is the wrong way to handle that. You know, I don't know if they're maybe trying to handle it like they still think they're in the first and second round, but they're trying to find well-rounded guys, and you you need to be in the process of finding the traits guys, or maybe they're treating it like a sixth, seventh round pick where you're looking just for traits, and you know it's a little too early for that, or you know you know what I mean. I mean, it's just something. I'm just making things up, but something in their process in in regards to the third round is clearly broken because it just it 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 can't be that bad. Anyway, it's completely random, but I <laughs> had this saved and I wanted to bring it up. Somebody had called into Packernet After Dark, um, and I know Tom Silverstein does a podcast, and they said that they were kind of annoyed with how negative he was. But I guess Ryan Wood, I haven't listened since Ryan Wood joined him on the podcast, but apparently Ryan Wood is more negative than Tom Silverstein is. And um, it was pretty funny. I saw this article after it happened, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. But the reason I want to bring it up, again, kind of random, but been some discussion about negative Packer fans. And I, I want to make a distinction between a negative Packer fan and an actually, um, I don't know, realistic seems condescending and stupid, but you know what I mean? That j- just actually somebody that's trying to assess the situation honestly. And sometimes it happens to be negative. I think fans that are trying to assess things honestly are saying, maybe with some cautious optimism that they're very happy, they had a good time, they enjoyed that. But I'm not sure if that was the best thing. Maybe it was. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But that was fun. That was awesome. And it was good to see. Negative Packer fans, they write articles for PackersNews.com that are headlined, Cowboys prove they're just as flawed as the Packers after a Packers win. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, come on, dude. I mean, that, that is just pure negativity. Packers played really well. And the, the takeaway is, man, the Cowboys suck. Can't believe they lost to us. I don't know. I thought that was funny. 
Um, Another hire for the Green Bay Packers. This was uh, Aubrey Pleasant. This was a couple days ago, but the Lions fired defensive pass game coordinator slash defensive backs coach Aubrey Pleasant. However, according to Rob Domofsky of ESPN, Pleasant has joined the Packers as an assistant coach. Though Pleasant has been a defensive coach in the league, he's working with head coach Matt LaFleur on the offensive side to provide a defensive perspective. This is something I've said they've needed to do for a long time. And I'm sure to some degree they do this. I don't know to what degree, but I can't imagine being an offensive play caller or an offensive guy and not having your defensive coach help you, you know? I mean, it, it, it seems, and I understand you got a lot of work to do, and there's only so much time in the day, but there should be some self-scouting. And by self-scouting, I mean, I want my defensive coordinator or at least some high-level defensive person, put Jerry Gray on it, something, I don't know, find somebody that can do this. I want you to scout our offense. I want you to come up with a game plan. I want you to, to watch our team. And again, it's hard to put it on, he's got a lot of work to do about the Titans, so he doesn't have time for this. Fine, hire somebody. I think this is a good decision. I, I don't know exactly what his job is, but if I'm, if I'm doing this, Aubrey Pleasant is going to come in. You are now the Packers' anti-defensive coordinator. That is to say, you're playing the Packers every single week. I need you to come up with a game plan, right? And this is a great time to do it. You just watch the Green Bay Packers win a game and, and do some different things. You watch Christian Watson emerge. You watch. I want you to come up with a game plan and tell me what your game plan, what did you see? What are you thinking? What are you planning on doing? Just to help me understand a couple things, because I, I understand Matt LaFleur is probably going to want to lean more on this is what we're doing, but I want to know what, what the other defensive person on the other, other side is thinking now, right? And, and I need you to understand it from their perspective, not just randomly. I mean, you, you are now the Titans' defensive coordinator, so I need you to understand the Titans' defense. I want, to, I want you, you to understand their tendencies and help me with that, but then I need you to, with that, tell me what it is you plan on doing. What are, what are the weaknesses? What do you want to attack? Because we, we keep hearing about these, these flaws. You know, the, the, these defensive people will pick up on flaws on the other team and they'll pick on them. And sometimes I don't know if the offensive people really realize that it's a flaw until it gets completely exploited. And even then, sometimes you don't maybe realize how, how you're losing. You just know that these things aren't working. And, and it might take a defensive mind to come in and say, well, this is why. You know, you hear about defensive people talking about tells. You know, the offensive lineman, when, when he does this, it's pass. When he does this, it's a run. You notice these tells, and you kind of, you know, whisper it to, the, to your defensive line. And the guy just wrecks you all game long. The, the, your offensive staff isn't going to know. They just know that he, he whooped you. They don't know why or how. They just know your guy got beat. Maybe you got a real good football player that's just not playing well, like Elton Jenkins. Maybe it's because he's got a tell. I don't know. Makes it real easy to play you when uh, they know what you're going to do. But the point is, I, I would not just hire Aubrey Pleasant. I'd be bringing in an offensive guy, too, and I would have him on Joe Barry's staff. You are now the Tennessee Titans offense. I need you to look at our defense and tell me what you're thinking. Because I'm, I, you get in your own little bubble. This is my defense. This is what I want to put my guys in these positions, and I want to attack their offense and everything else. But you're, you're kind of looking in the wrong direction sometimes. You need somebody to look back, backward into your defense and say, look, here's, where you, we, here's what I'm going to do. I see you're doing this. If, if it's me, I'm just going to do this. I'm going to attack that. You know, I, I, I notice these tendencies. Every time we do this, you do this. So why wouldn't I just do this? Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Right. All right, yeah, we got to clean that up. Again, I don't know what Aubrey Pleasant's job is going to be, but I, I just I think it's weird that every NFL 
team doesn't have that. Maybe they do to some degree. I don't know. Maybe there's some low-level assistants that kind of run those things, but bring in coaches. And if you can get a guy like Aubrey, who's clearly an uh, aspiring defensive coordinator, that's probably never going to get that job. I mean, when you get fired from the worst defense in the league, you know, pretty low chance, but certainly good enough to be able to help me with what I need. So I like that. On top of that, He's with the Lions, so you could probably get a little bit of intel there just to make sure we don't lose to the Lions again. Um, another kind of weird situation here, and I, I guess I just missed this. Well, I guess it's not weird. Um, Patrick Taylor was elevated to the 53. I mentioned how we're kind of thin at running back. It seemed odd because Kylan Hill was ahead of Patrick Taylor this whole time, and then you cut Kylan and you elevate Patrick Taylor to the 53. Why wouldn't you just leave Kylan Hill on the 53? Because... Kylan Hill was purely a special teamer, and and they know that they've got a guy now. Kylan is not, I mean, again, both of those guys, Amari and Kyle, excuse me, choking on air. That was weird. Um, both of those guys were on this team for special teams purposes, and, and they know now that we have a guy that's going to be doing kick and punt return. We've also brought in somebody else to kind of see what he can do, but uh, they've learned that Kylan and Amari are not those guys. So in lieu of that, they elevated the guy that they think is the best running back of the group, and that is Patrick Taylor, and I tend to agree. I always like Patrick Taylor. I don't know why, I just do. I'm sure a lot of people would love to see Tyler Goodson in that spot, but whatever. Hopefully it won't matter, because we won't see them anyways. Anyways, two final notes before we take a break and come back and take a look at the Tennessee Titans a little bit. A couple little notes that I would made on uh, Twitter that I wanted to get, that I thought were interestingly uh, interesting enough that I wanted to put on the podcast. First of all, The Packers are one win ahead of teams that currently have a top five pick. They are also one win behind teams that are currently in the NFL playoffs. That's the reality that the Packers are in right now. And so regardless of where you stand, the Packers are very close to it. I mean, they are, I mean, if if that was a fluke, they're very easily could still get a top five pick. Currently picking at 18, which is no man's land, but could very easily get there. If you want to get into the playoffs, could very easily get there. Again, I don't. I know for a fact you can't get to either of those in in one week. Well, what if everybody wins or loses or whatever? It's going to take some time, and you need certainly some things to go your way. I mean, if every if every team in front of you wins, also, it's not you know ain't going to work. But nothing is is out of reach. To uh, put some teeth to that and tell you exactly what it is I'm talking about, Packers are currently four and six. Carolina right now has the third overall pick. They are three and seven. Third overall pick. The three and seven teams are third, fourth, fifth, and sixth. The uh, three and six teams are seven, eight, nine, ten. So between picks three and 11 are teams with three wins on the season. That's so crazy. How are there so many bad teams? It's crazy to me. However, again, Packers have four wins. Teams with five wins are between pick 16 and 21. Picks 19, 20, and 21 are all teams currently in the wild card. Tampa Bay, Denver, well, San Francisco, which the pick is now Denver's, and uh, New England. If you look at two wins out, you're looking at the number two overall pick, Las Vegas, sitting at two and seven. Six wins goes all the way up to 27th overall pick, meaning there are only five teams better than that. So everything is, is unbelievably within reach. There are only six teams in the entire NFL that are more than two games away in either direction. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, um, 
somebody had asked me on Twitter that I had never even considered looking into it. Uh, Mike on Twitter says, has MVS ever had a three touchdown game? Just honestly curious. And I kind of assumed he didn't, but I thought he had uh, several two touchdown games or whatever. So I looked at it. MVS didn't have three touchdowns in a season until year three. In a season. I'll never understand the love for MVS. I, I really won't. I don't get... I feel like there's... It, it was always weird to me, but yet you look at the amount of love that Christian Watson has, and granted, there's a bunch out, especially now, but I feel like there was more hate for Watson than there was for MVS ever. There's more love for Watson in terms of like, you know, the, the highs, but the, the lows are also lower. It's just weird to me because I never got the MVS thing. The guy was never a good football player. He never really did anything for the team. He had a couple big games, but so did everybody. Seems like that's the barrier to entry. Like, if you have one big game, Packer fans will love you forever. That's why Tunyon is just, Packer fans are like, he's so good. He's so great. It's been years <laughs> since he's been anything even interesting. So it's kind of starting to wane, but yeah, one big game, man. That's all it takes, and you are a Packers legend. It takes two years. Uh, you can't even talk about how how it's not great. But yeah, the, the MVS thing, man, it's not even close. And, and again, saying that Christian Watson at, at a bare minimum can be MVS, he, he's, he's already past that. MVS was nothing but a deep threat, and he was bad at it. He didn't really get open deep very often. And, and again, when he did, and it's not his fault, but when he did, uh, Rodgers just couldn't hit him. It was a disaster. And I, I really thought there was a chance, you know, he, him going to Kansas City, maybe Rodgers just struggles to gauge that speed, but maybe, uh, maybe, you know, what's his name? <laughs> I can't even remember his name. Pat Mahomes, maybe he won't. Granted, Pat is also very, pretty inaccurate quarterback. How is MVS doing? Has he had like a 100-yard game? Does he have multiple touchdown games? What's going on over there? Well, he had a 111-yard game against San Francisco. And he had his first touchdown against Jacksonville. He currently, and by the way, his grades in Green Bay, 60, 57, 57, 66, his best year last year, and then 64 this year. So no, nothing is really different. Now, in terms of yardage, he does have 441 yards, which is more than he had all of, all of last year. However, 2020, he had 690 yards, which seems to me he's roughly on pace for that, maybe slightly ahead. But even as a deep threat, uh, week one, his longest reception, 17 yards. Week two, seven yards. Week three, 24 yards. Week four, 34, 36 yards. Week five, 23. His, his only real deep ball of the entire season was week seven against San Francisco, 57 yards. I mean, 36 is relatively deep. He's done that twice, but that's, that's it. Marquez Valdez-Scantling had four touchdowns in his first two years. Christian Watson has three touchdowns in one game. He's got almost 200 yards. He's barely played, like, at all. I mean, not only has he had injuries, but he was purely a jet sweep guy for the first however many weeks. And by the way, it should be noted that uh, Christian Watson is kind of climbing the ranks a little bit in terms of just if you look at his grades. Week one was his worst week of the season. He had a 45 overall grade. It was obviously not very good. And I know a lot of people are mad that he got, he had a 65 overall grade in this game. Why? Well, remember, PFF grades are largely about consistency. It has less to do with big, big plays and more to do with consistency. Big plays factor in, but it's, it's, it's capped at like two points. So when you're kind of one for one with receptions and drops, I mean, not really. I mean, you had 
four receptions and two drops. It's going to kind of balance out a little bit. But even with that, after his 45 overall grade game, he really hasn't had a bad game. I mean, against the Giants and Buffalo, which we're talking basically no snaps. I mean, from, from weeks two, four, five, and eight, which are the only weeks he played, everything not listed between two and eight, he wasn't in the game. Um, we're talking single-digit snaps, whether that be due to injury or whatever. But still, he, he didn't really have any bad games. If you just eliminate week one from the equation... And you look at our receivers. Randall Cobb is number one with an 85 overall receiving grade. Al Lazard is number two, 32nd overall, with a 73 overall grade. Christian Watson is 41st with a 71.4 overall receiving grade. He's catching up to Lazard. And you got to remember, Christian Watson, he's played 61 snaps as a receiver. Al Lazard has played 287. Do you know where, Christian, if you just took his yardage and put it up against Alan Lazard and the amount of attempts he's had. In other words, let's take his 61 receiving snaps, snaps as a receiver, and let's take his 161 yards, and let's stretch that out to Alan Lazard's 287 attempts. Do you know where he'd be right now? 757 yards on the season. That would be the fifth most ahead of Cooper Cup. It would be Tyreek Hill, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, Jalen Waddell, and then Christian Watson. And by the way, everybody that I just listed has more attempts. Anyways, let well, no, let, let, let's finish this and then we'll take a break. No, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and look at it. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry.org. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so we were talking about this. Um... If we just look at, let's just look at the rookies for fun. You look at it and say, well, Watson is, he hasn't done anything, blah, blah, blah. Watson is seventh among rookie guys, you know, and look at all these other guys. Drake London, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Where's Christian Watson? Blah, 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 blah. Right? Pickens is ahead of him. Pierce is ahead of him. Trash. George Pickens, George Pickens has been on the field as a receiver running routes 
first of all, more than anybody else uh, as far as receivers go. So you look at his yards and you say he's really up there. He's run more routes than any other receiver in the NFL that's a rookie this year. 334 routes he's run. Christian Watson, 88. Do you know what happens to Christian Watson's stats if you extrapolate them out over those same amount of opportunities? If you take his 88 routes run and you extrapolate that out over 334 routes run, his yards go from 195 to 740. Chris Olave is number one with 680. By the way, his touchdowns, 11. If you just look at that in terms of the NFL, Christian Watson's 740 yards would be seventh in the NFL behind guess who? Devontae Adams. His 740 yards, sixth is Devontae Adams with 769 yards. He would be number one in touchdowns with 11. Number two, Devontae Adams with eight. Now, I understand it's, it's mostly one game, right? I get that. Well, that, that's stupid. He's only played, he only did it. Da, da, da. Okay, fine. It's inflated because of one game, but it's also a bit deflated, is it not? This is the first game they actually had the opportunity to utilize him. They've been trying to do it the last couple of weeks, but he has been injured. Before that, he was strictly the jet sweep guy. That doesn't, it's not really conducive to yards per route run, which is ultimately what we're talking about here. And, and by the way, if we just look at that, which is a very good metric, by the way, yards per route run, all, you know, if, if, if we basically what yards per route run is, is if we equalize it and everybody ran the same amount of routes, who would have the most yards? If we did that, Christian Watson would be 14th in the NFL. Devontae's 11, Olave 12, right? The, the, the ranking, Tyreek, Stephon Diggs, Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddell, A.J. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown, Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins, C.D. Lamb, Rashad Bateman, Devontae Adams, Chris Olave, Darius Slayton, Christian Watson. Now, there's a couple names in there, including Christian Watson, that you go, eh, I don't know about that. But again, if you want to know if it's a good metric for wide receivers, sort it and tell me if it's a good ranking of wide receivers. That's a pretty solid ranking of wide receivers. But again, the stat stands on its own merit. Because I just told you what it means, and I think that's a pretty valuable stat. If, if every route, if we, if we normalize the routes, who would have the most yards? Yards per route run. Watson is 14th. That's pretty solid. And again, it's been deflated. He's done nothing but jet sweeps for the first four weeks. And on top of that, it's been deflated because, well, the drops, number one. If he catches those, he skyrockets up this list. And number two, not throwing to him. A lot of these routes, number one, he's a decoy. And number two, even when he's getting open, he's, he's, they're not seeing him. They're not throwing to him. Maybe it's because he's not running quite right or whatever. But the opportunities have been there and have not been taken advantage of. And I'm not trying to blame anybody. I'm just I'm trying to get you excited about it. You know what's crazy? George Pickens has actually run more routes by two than Devontae Adams has. <laughs> That's, that dude is getting a lot of usage over there which probably explains why he's quote-unquote crushing it, but as a 63 overall grade. Devontae Adams, they basically run the exact same amount of routes. Uh, 334 compared to 332. Devontae Adams, 769 yards, eight touchdowns. George Pickens, 370 yards and one touchdown. <laughs> Get out of my face with that freaking George Pickens nonsense. All the way out of my face. All right, now that I got that off my chest, because that was, I, I'm sorry, man. I, I'm, I'm excited about getting excited. I can't help it. I know 107 yards and three touchdowns is not going to be the norm, 
But man, the potential is exciting. The, the question I have, though, is okay, so that happened. Teams kind of caught Dallas with their pants down a little bit. So teams are going to adjust. That's fine. That's fine if they adjust. Because honestly, if they adjust to take away Christian Watson, that's what we've been wanting. The problem is they, we haven't forced them to adjust. We've never been able to force defenses to get out of whatever it is they've been doing all year. And, he, and here's, here's the thing. I, I had mentioned recently that um, I talked to uh, Blaine about the, the game or whatever, and he had mentioned something about how much they had loaded up the box against the Green Bay Packers. Well, that's obviously conducive to a passing game. But we needed to be able to do that. We needed to be able to beat them and say, if you're going to load the box, we're going to hurt you. And the best part about it is not only did we hurt them passing, we hurt them running. If we just look at the attempts that the uh, Packers have had against a eight or nine man box, or excuse me, eight or nine or more. So a loaded box. Um, Aaron Jones, I'm going to try to keep it to Aaron Jones here. This is going to be difficult to do because of the way that this is sorted, but um, no, 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 we'll just do it by week. Ready? This is by week. How many times did you see that, that situation? Four, seven, two, four, three, three, four, and then this week, 16. Now, some of that might have to do with usage, but tell me that isn't an, a massive explosion. This is also number one for A.J. Dillon. He had a, a one other game that was close. Um, in what the heck week was that? Week four against the Patriots. A.J. Dillon did nothing but run into loaded boxes. Ten attempts going into a loaded box. He had 11 in this game against the Cowboys. Aaron Jones... <laughs> excuse me, Aaron Rodgers had one attempt into a loaded box for negative three yards. <laughs> I thought it was funny. However, again, not only were we able to, to, to pass and win, A.J. Dillon had 4.6 yards per attempt into a loaded box. Aaron Jones, 5.5 yards per attempt. 51 total yards from A.J. Dillon, 88 yards from Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones had a touchdown with that. A.J. Dillon, three broken tackles. Aaron Jones, two. They had five broken tackles combined in loaded boxes. They had seven first downs. They were hit at the line of scrimmage six times, were only stuffed twice. That's unfreaking believable And so you say, well, that was a bad run defense. Right, it was a bad run defense that compensated, though. They compensated with extra men in the box. And so next week you go up against the Tennessee Titans and they have a, have a better run defense, right? Here's the question. Are they going to load the box or not? Because if they're going to leave, let's say, six guys, or even let's just call it seven, say they, they go with a normal seven-man box, talking base defense, if the Packers can beat heavy boxes against bad defense, do you think, do you think they can't beat normal and light boxes against a good defense? Maybe not. I don't know. I mean, you, you get one guy that's up on that defensive line that kind of blows people up. It's all about winning your matchups. And, and we've seen it where losing one matchup can, can make all the difference. Find that one mismatch and just tear it up. But that's going to be the complication. And that's really, honestly, for this game, that's going to be the matchup. Because they are going to play, I believe, to take away those deep shots. 
No more Christian Watson, 107 yards and three touchdowns. They try to manufacture that as best as they can, but but they're going to try to take away the deep part of the field and force you to win up front. See, again, that's what the Packers want, especially going into Tennessee. You need Tennessee to back off because you need to be able to run the ball. And if you're going to have any chance of that, you need these guys to kind of lighten up. And they're going to have to because right now, despite the fact that the Packers have been nothing but a rushing offense, the number one fear you have is Aaron Rodgers to Christian Watson. That is your biggest fear. And there's no doubt in my mind about that. It's not even to say Christian's the best player or anything like that. It's just that is that is going to kill you worse than anything else. Allowing a 50-yard touchdown completion in a game. You might be scared of Aaron Jones more so as a as a player on a play-to-play basis or whatever, but you're not scared of his seven-yard runs the same way you're scared of Christian Watson's 40-yard receptions. So for me, that's it. And obviously the defense plays a part too, but, but their offense is terrible. So th- the defense needs to be adequate. This comes down to, can the offense again perform? And really, that's going to be the theme throughout, because the biggest differentiating factor for teams that are actually successful this year and teams that are just sharing the basement is the fact that nobody can score points this year. And if you can be the one team that can put up 28, 29, 30, 31 points, unless your name is, is the Chicago Bears, you're generally going to win a lot of football games. So this is going to be a pretty big test and, and honestly not a great matchup just because if, if they can win up front with a light box and we can't run the ball and we don't have these sort of easier shots down the field because they're not playing single high defense and all this stuff, you know, I mean, it's going to be on, on Matt to kind of manufacture some more throws and, and you can still utilize the speed. There's no question. I'm just saying it's not going to be just sitting there quite as easily as it was against Dallas because Dallas committed to if we take away the run, they can't win because that's been the formula forever. The problem is they, they got crushed on both ends. They loaded the box and still couldn't win up front. And then because they were light on the back end, they got crushed on the back end. This is going to be the exact opposite. And it has the op- the, the, the uh, ability to be the exact same result. Essentially, we're trying to do the opposite in this game. We're going to run the ball. And if we can win, we're going to say, you can uh, uh, either you stay in that defense and we keep crushing you with your light boxes up front, or you start bringing some other guys up. And you're begging them to come up, and, and they're most likely going to be going, Mm-mm, nope, nope, I know what you're trying to do, I'm not doing it, nope, 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 nope. So you keep pounding and pounding and pounding. That's what it needs to be. I mean, the last time we played them, it was an A.J. Dillon game. We need another A.J. Dillon game, slash Aaron Jones game. Grind them into the dust. Well, that's stupid, it's, the t- it's a run defense. Okay, fine. Throw into a team that's playing pass defense. If you think that's a good idea, I, 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 I just can't get on board with that. They're playing coverage. They're playing to make sure you can't do that. And let's not pretend that suddenly after one week we have great receivers. We don't. Watson is fast, and you can utilize that for a lot of things. But if they take that away, then what? You got Alan Lazard, you got Randall Cobb, you got a couple options that are just not elite options. Even if we assume Rodgers doesn't regress back to what he was every week aside from this past one, even if we assume Sammy Watkins doesn't fall down back into a black hole of oblivion, we don't have a lot of options. We have to run, and it'll be interesting to see if we even try. I'm, I'm, part of me is worried that the Packers are simply going to come out and say, we're not going to run, we're going to throw, because, hey, we got this thing humming now. Aaron Rodgers is just killing it, and Christian Watson is good, and Lazard looked good, and Watkins looked good, and Randall's back, and bang, bang, boom, bow, pow. We're going to crush him. And there's just not going to be a lot of places to throw the ball because they're dropping everybody in coverage. And so we're going to see... Rodgers trying to throw, and nobody's open, and then there's going to be sack, and there's going to be frustration, and then it's going to be, oh, here we go again. It can happen just that easy. 
And again, the 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 fear I have is is if we can't run the ball, that's going to be the fate of this team no matter what. Again, maybe we can throw. I don't know. But my fear is if they come out with a light box and we can't run against it, I, I, I'm worried. I mean, I think you got to keep, keep hammering it and hope that it starts to open up. But that's, that's my biggest concern in this game. It's a very good run defense. And if they can win with a light box, we're in a lot of trouble because we don't have those really super talented dynamic receivers. And it's going to be 100% dependent on Matt LaFleur scheming guys open. And it's just hard to win all the way down the field with scheme. On some level, somebody's got to win. You can't just scheme wide receivers open for four quarters in an entire game and win the game. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, it's, I mean, this last game was, was super encouraging. Again, running into loaded boxes and not just winning, but dominating. It's not like, yeah, we still manage four yards per carry. Over five yards per carry for Aaron Jones, 4.6 for A.J. Dillon. That's insane. In fact, just for fun, looking at really heavy boxes, nine or more men in the box, nine or more, A.J. Dillon each had two attempts. For reference, here are all their, their attempts throughout the season. Negative uh, one, or their yards per attempt, negative one, negative one, four, one, 1. 1.5, negative one, zero. In this game, A.J. Dillon, four yards per attempt, Aaron Jones, six yards per attempt. They averaged five yards per attempt between them on four attempts. Four attempts, 20 yards, with nine or more men in the box. It's encouraging, but it's only encouraging if we're able to carry that forward, right? You, you, the offensive line, the tight ends, the, the specific play calls, the running backs, that all came together to win in a very unfavorable situation. You need to do that again against the Titans, and the unfavorable situation is just called the Titans' defense. Do not concede. Now, don't get me wrong. If you can throw into their defense despite them playing pass defense, that's, that's awesome. Be almost the, the inverse of what happened in this last game. But we also ran and passed in that game. And, and I think the reason why it, it concerns me the most is nobody runs against the Titans. Nobody does. They, 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 they are number one in rushing attempts against, which is to say it's the lowest number of any team. And if there's one team that would love to take the opportunity to say, ah, look, we don't need to run in this game, it's going to be the Packers. Hey, nobody else does it. Why should we? I just, I don't like that. Yeah, nobody runs against them, and they're one, two, three, four, five, six, six and one in their last seven games. Maybe we shouldn't just follow the lead of everybody else. By the way, um, three of their four losses encapsulate the four most rushing yards in a game. Two, game, two teams have rushed for over 100 yards, it was the Buffalo Bills and the New York Giants, and obviously they lost those two games. Buffalo ran for 101. The Giants ran for 238 yards in that game. Then you had the Raiders who lost uh, with 96 yards. Kansas City ran for 77 yards and won. All the other victories that Tennessee had, all the other teams that lost, they ran for 65, 65, 43, 43, and 38. It's a struggle to get to 50 yards against this team rushing. That is my concern. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.